That was awesome. That was awesome. Thanks, Jesse. You're not in this room right now, but thank you anyways, Jesse. Uh, I am glad to be with you here, here guys, tonight. I'm going to be sharing with you here on our live stream. Um, you know, last time I was doing this, I was, it was a couple months ago, and I watched it, and I kind of felt like an infomercial. Um, so I'm going to try to break free of the infomercial feel <laughs> uh, for tonight. We have some people in our room, but this is actually uh, our last time doing our Saturday night live stream for right now. We're switching over to Sunday mornings. Uh, so it's going to be a live service with our live stream. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be awesome. So come and join us for that. So you can either come and, uh, come in person. We're outside in the tent still at 10 o'clock. Or you can come and join us uh, for the live stream. But we're going to be streaming next week on Sunday mornings. So I want to talk tonight about advancing and the hope of our calling. So uh, Kent was talking about hope. Actually, he was highlighting hope. It was kind of cheating. He knew I was going to be talking about hope, but hope is a huge, huge theme uh, for us. We've been sowing into this thing a lot. Um, actually, over the last 10 years, I think um, back when the Great Recession time hit, um, the church was just at a low point. Everyone was feeling low. And so either we needed to find hope or we were going to be a whole bunch of sad pastors. And so as pastors, we pressed into really taking hold of hope. And I feel um, like this is just one piece, one facet of God's plan. God is uh, so amazing at redeeming everything. He takes every bad circumstance and turns it to good for those that love God. And so if we're going to be taking hope of the hope of our calling, we've got to take hold of hope. So God has wonderful things prepared for us all the time. It never changes. It doesn't matter what's happening in our nation. It doesn't matter what happens. It does matter to us, but, but God's plan of a hopeful future for us is always intact. And he always has things for the church to be walking in. So Ephesians 2, 2.10 says, God has works prepared in advance that we should walk in them. So he's got good stuff for us to do. And so I want to just start off by, um, well, actually just talking about this. So I, I loved when I was reading through the epistles and I realized that when Paul, uh, Paul was writing his letters, he, he would almost always evaluate these three different areas of the church. He'd see how they were doing. And I have a couple people over here. Hi, worship team. Good to see you guys. Um, these three different areas of faith hope and love. It's that 1 Corinthians 13 list. But if you read through the epistles, um, Paul was always checking the church and either commending them or encouraging them or praying for them or exhorting them about how they were doing in this area of their lives. And I kind of think of it's like I have a 1965 Mustang and uh, I have these oil gauges and these lights on it because I want to make sure it's running right because um, I don't want anything to get out of place and you know hurt my 65 Mustang and so uh, so always keep an eye on the gauges you know I'm like making sure the oil's flowing that there's good oil pressure I'm making sure there's you know electricity that everything's functioning properly and I feel like fo faith hope and love these are the three things that we need to like check the lights on to make sure that our spiritual life is running well like my classic 65 Mustang um, so <laughs> I love my car. My, I work on my car. My car uh, is like one of the non-Jesus like Jesus things I do. I do it with Jesus, but I just need something that's like not like pastoring and that sort of thing. Uh, so I'm just thankful for my car. And so Paul, in Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, prays this prayer. And so I want to go there and read through this. 
Um, Ephesians 1.15, this wonderful prayer that Paul prays that I have prayed oftentimes. Uh, For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So specifically, a lot of times we pray for wisdom and revelation. It's a great prayer, but in this prayer, uh, Paul is saying specifically it's about knowing God more. In verse 18, I pray that your, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you would know the hope of your calling. So I, I obviously stole this from the Bible. Uh, to know the hope of our calling, and it goes on, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his strength and his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one that is to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as the head over all things the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So I don't know, just reading that scripture actually brings me encouragement because I remember that God is on the throne and that he is seated above all these different things. And so again, going back this part, the hope of our calling. And so I kind of mentioned this in the, in the beginning, but Romans 8:28, I uh, woke up. Uh, about a month ago, and I just had this verse stirring in my heart. And it was one of those beautiful moments where God was just speaking to me so clearly. This, I wish I woke up like this every morning, but most of the time I wake up to loud kids. Um, but this morning I woke up to hearing God's voice, and um, God spoke Romans 8:28, this verse, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. There we are, the called ones again. But God, uh, what God spoke to me said, if you believe this one promise, Ryan, you would live your life totally radically different. If you, I always think about, you know, the thousand promises, and I'm the Jesus pocket promise book, person promise book, whatever that thing is called. And you know, and there's all these verses in the word of God. But God said, if you just took hold of this one verse, if you really believe that every circumstance that you face in your life, that I'm going to work it for a good purpose, you would have a radically different attitude about life. And so I have been going after that. And when it talks about God works all things for good, that's like part of the definition of hope. Hope is that joyful confidence that God is going to bring good into our lives. And so this is a part of hope is taking hold of this reality that everything, God redeems every circumstance, no matter what we're facing. Um, Even when, you know, we're redoing our pool and the guy who's, you know, redoing our pool gets COVID and everything puts on hold for a month. God is working for good. It's like an easy time to stress out. And I've been, I've been trying to work this into my life that I would have this hopeful viewpoint. So even as we're going through this, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to wit, uh, lose my witness and my love over a challenge I'm facing. So God has something redemptive in this. And one thing is that even just in that circumstance that came out, because this is a real circumstance, our pool looks like the Armageddon theme that kind of we feel like in life right now. It's like blown up and there's pieces of concrete everywhere. And, um, but I got to talk to the owner about Jesus because I didn't put the problem in front of the person. I made the person more important. I believe that God had a redemptive purpose and that part of that was just going to share Jesus with this guy who's the owner. So it was just a beautiful thing. I walked away encouraged and we, we worked out the problems. It's getting worked out, you know, but it was just a real practical place for me to go after believing that God is going to work it for good. And so I know he's got more good coming out of this, but people hearing about Jesus is an incredible good. 
So the second part, the hope of our calling is that the great news is we're going to heaven. We have eternity set before us that no matter what happens here on the earth, no matter what challenges we're facing, and this is what happens too when we're in times of crisis, it pulls us up in the heavenly mindsets because we've got to look above what's going on right now. And I'm, I'm, we're called to influence the earth for sure, but it's really good to remember this is not our permanent home. God has something more for us. So that's, that's it. We're going to heaven. We're going to win in the end no matter what. We know the promises of God are true. But the other part is that we are called to live in heavenly places with God. Heaven is not just a future reality. Heaven is a now reality as well. I love John 17:3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then going over here to Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So this is one of the things that I just felt that through this time too, personally, that God was speaking to me about, that even in the challenges that the church is facing right now in the season between uh, COVID and just um, politically and our belief systems and all these things we're wrestling through in this time, that God is actually using this to bring the church into a place of really practically living in a place of seeing from his viewpoint. And so, you know, sometimes um, when I look at the word of God, um, it's really easy to dial it down to my current experience instead of letting the word of God lift me up to the reality of where God wants me to live. And so um, the good news is that I've been experiencing this, and I'm sure we all experience this in kind of pieces, you know, where we're in a worship time or we're in a place of in his word, just God speaks to us, and, you know, we get filled with faith. But really this is God's design for our lives that we'd be able to live from his, uh, from his viewpoint at all times. And I can say that personally that this is happening in my life. I am becoming a more joyful person, a more hopeful person, um, you know, some, I, I could definitely see areas I need to grow. My kids always keep me honest. Even when I'm talking about this stuff, I'm talking about joy. My kids call me out and they're like, well, dad, you're not joyful when you wake up in the morning. Dad, you're not like, this is actually, this has been going on in my household. They are calling out every single area in my life where I am not living and what I'm talking about yet. And I'm thankful for that. You've got to love your kids. They're so honest. And it's, it's actually God has really been using it in my life to say, hey, you know, this is an area of your life that I'm still working in. And so I'm, I'm using that to, uh, as encouragement to press into the Lord in these different areas and how to be more joyful when I wake up and just, you know, all those different places or being more hopeful or just having more of God's viewpoint in these things. And so I really do believe that, though God is using the circumstances. I've seen it. I've actually seen it happening in the church where um, just seeing the pastoring of Jesus is so beautiful. This is something that has just been um, so good for my heart. It's so easy to get overwhelmed with what's going on and start bearing and carrying all the weight of the world, but realizing that Jesus is really the great shepherd of the sheep, and he's got the whole world in his hands. I've actually been singing that children's songs and meetings I've been going to. I've been, I, I just need that like child like faith reality that God has got it all. And it's in that place of actually resting in his greatness that empowers me to do the work that I've been called to do. Because if I get worn out and tired and weary and I feel like I'm carrying all the weight, it just, it just takes out all the strength that's in me to go and do the works of God. So that picture of God's sovereignty, the place that God has purposes and things that he will fulfill upon the earth no matter what. The church is going to be a glorious bride at the end of the age. 
It is going to be walking in righteousness and purity, and it's going to be walking in fullness. Um, So these are the promises of God that we can be assured of. And so when I step back and I look at the promises of God, that he is going to do this thing, that no matter what's happening in my life, in the present moment, with my family or on the earth, that God has a plan for the church that will not fail. It encourages me to go out and do the things that I'm called to do. I like that word. I was really encouraged by that. <laughs> so getting hold of this reality of God himself, getting a hold of the reality of God's ability, what God has accomplished, what he's going to do for us, um, really just brings rest to my soul. Second thing I want to go after is uh, just talking about that. Our greatest calling and source of hope is God himself. Over and over again, called to be in a place of connecting to him. This was the great and wonderful promise of the New Testament. In Hebrews 8.10, it talks about, I'll find it here. For this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law into their minds and I'll write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they will not teach each one of their fellow citizens and each one his brother saying know the Lord for they will all know me from the least the grace of them for I will be merciful toward their wrongdoings and their sins I'll remember no more. So this is the beauty of the new covenant that we've been grafted into is that when the Holy Spirit sent upon the church, a whole bunch of little Jesuses got released on the planet. It's not just one anointed person. It's not just one anointed pastor or preacher or a Moses or a prophet. The whole church has the anointing and the calling to know God, to walk with God, and to release his kingdom. This is, uh, this is such a beautiful and powerful thing. And this is actually for my life too, that I am, I am funneling my strength and my energy actually in the reality of this verse, that we can all live in a place of fruitfulness. We can all live in a place of releasing the kingdom, that we have an incredible call in each one of our lives. I don't, you know, it's great that people can come to leaders and friends and all that stuff to get help in times of need. That's a huge part of the program. But uh, uh, the Christian life, that's how we walk it out. It's more than a program. (laughs) It's how we walk out the Christian life, you know. But to know this reality that we have this incredibly intimate relationship with God himself, and he wants to shepherd us, and he wants to help us, and he wants to encounter us, that encountering the Lord is a part of the normal Christian life, that we are supposed to experience him. And not just hear his voice, but taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, that the Acts chapter 2 reality, he's pouring out his spirit on all flesh. One of the things that's been so much fun is that we've been doing uh, like a family church time. And we have the kids in there with us most of the time. And the kids oftentimes are giving the best prophetic words. And I'm not just saying that to say the kids are awesome. Literally, they are giving the best prophetic words. And, and most of the time what's happening is we'll stop and we'll pause and we'll say, hey, does anyone have a word? Because we want everyone to play. Everyone's called into this thing. Everyone's got something to give. This is, this is potluck style ministry. You know, everyone gets to bring a dish, you know? And so oftentimes we'll pause and we'll say, who's got a word? And there's like 10 kids that raise their hands and two adults, you know, and the kids are all fired up. And actually the same thing happens too. We'll start off this time of, you know, gratitude and thankfulness. And all the kids are like, I'm thankful that, you know, I got to eat a cheeseburger. And I'm thankful. They're just like, they're filled with Thanksgiving. They have like hundreds of things. And then a lot of times I'm like, okay, adults, what do you got? Come on, give me something, you know? And so, but that's the beauty. There is no junior Holy Spirit, you know, from the smallest kid who knows Jesus to 
the tallest adult, <laughs> the most grown-up adult. You know, it's all, we're all in the kingdom. We all have this call to know the Lord and to release his kingdom. And so, I don't know, I just, I just love the beauty of that. And so if we, get, we take hold of God himself, it super fuels our calling. It fuels our hope. And I love that, that actually I have this in my notes too. I can't share this verse, Romans 15, 13. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So everything that we need, we find in God himself. Another verse I've just been um, chewing on over and over again. These are like staple foundations for me. These are things I live out on a constant basis. Basis? (laughs) Not a basis. Basis is these verses uh, that just encourage my heart. They help bring me into heavenly realities. And so this other one is Isaiah 40, 21 through 31. And actually, I want to read, um, I was just going to read the second section, but the, se- the first section is so good. Verse 21, we've been praying this verse over our nation. Um, actually, Kent Larson is the one that um, highlighted this to me. Thank you, Pastor Kent. Uh, do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. It is he who reduces rulers to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have them been planted, scarcely have them been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them, and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. God is able to shift things so fast. And we get, you know, we, these things happen in our life that feel so big. And there are, there, I'm not saying they're not important, but I need this place of being brought back into heavenly perspective again that brings me rest, that helps me labor into the purposes of God. Verse 25, it says, To whom then will you liken me, that I will be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their hosts by the number, he calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assure, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and justice do me escapes the notice of God? I love that in verse 27, because you know, as we're talking about God's greatness, the reality that he is really listening to us. What's going on with our lives, our personal lives, with our family lives, with our nation, God is watching everything, and he is intimately involved. He is not disconnected. Verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord and creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understandable is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. I don't know about you guys, but I oftentimes, right, even right now, can use some strength out of my weariness. And him who lacks might increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those that wait for the Lord, actually it's also the word hope, those that hope for the Lord, will gain their new strength. They will mount up like wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary or faint. And so that verse, actually just thinking about those that wait upon the Lord, those that hope in the Lord, those that connect with God in his goodness, connect in his power. I just love this. (laughs) The way I was thinking about this verse is that God is full of it. He's full of it all the time. He's full of everything that we need. He's full of it in all the right ways. Anything that I could need at any moment, he is the great I am, and he has the resources that I need for all of life. And I was, as I was reading this part about actually the eagle soaring up on wings like eagles, I was remembering that uh, when, this COVID, when COVID first hit, and there was just incredible uh, discouragement, and there was like this kind of sense of fear and hopelessness in the atmosphere, and we were spending some time in prayer 
Um, actually, with Kent Larson and Brent McIntosh, I think Taylor Skidmore, the pastoral kind of the pastoral arm of the staff, um, we were praying, and God gave me a vision. I had this picture of an eagle that was soaring high in the heavens, and it was clutching uh, blueprints uh, in its claw. And um, wow, I'm getting overwhelmed just sharing about this. Uh, I, I knew. As I was inquiring from the Lord, saying, God, what does this mean? I, I really felt like the, what the Lord was speaking is saying, that the eagle represented America, and the blueprints were the plans that God had for the country. And he said, he was really encouraging my heart, saying, I have good plans for America. And I was really in a place of wondering, does God still have good plans for America? There is so much challenge going on in our nation. There's so much fear. There's so much hopelessness. There's so much tension. There's so much turmoil. You know, God, what do I have to hope for? And that word released so much strength into my heart. And that's what, actually, I just want to encourage you guys, too. This is why it's so, it's so important to, to have times where we just sit and be with God, whether it's worshiping or in his word, because we can listen to a thousand prophetic voices. But, but nothing, I've, I've touched nothing that moves my heart more than when God speaks to my heart personally. We had this time where we were gathering around and we were, uh, we were, I was at this prayer meeting and all these people were started sharing. I heard this prophetic word and that prophetic word and we just paused and we got uh, actually uh, Kent Larson redirected and he said, well, what has God been speaking to you personally this week? And the moment we did that, the whole atmosphere of the meeting shifted and it got filled with hope as we started sharing the words of encouragement that God was speaking to us personally. And I think this is so key in this time that when there's so many voices, whether it's news media out there, social media, you know, uh, prophetic voices, and I value, I value these places, I value these places of healing, but nothing touches the voice of God speaking to our own personal hearts and bringing us encouragement. And so God wants to do that in this season. So a couple more points I want to go after here. Um, you guys are with me, us five in the room, and you, I think, 13 at home. <laughs> but eventually there's like 350. So the 350 that come after this, glad you guys are here with us. So we're called to advance by taking hold of hope. You know, I, was, um, I love this thing. I ran upon this, uh, this definition of uh, not a hipster, but a hopester. We need more hopesters on the earth. We have, uh, there's a lot of hipsters. I kind of got a hipster vibe. You know, actually right now I woke up this morning and my, I have, um, you know, bed beard. I, wh- wh- anyways, it's a whole thing. If you don't have hair, you have beard problems. It's just, you know, whatever it is. But um, even with the hipster vibe, we need hopesters. We need people that are releasing hope in this hour of declaring that God is going to be doing good things. There are so many bad news, people proclaiming bad news stuff, but to bring hope into people's hearts is such an essential call in this time. And actually, I want to share one more verse before I call, go on this next part about advancing corporately. Um, so seeing God, the call to see God, going back to here, taking hold of God himself, a calling to see God, Psalm 16, 1 through 11. Um, oh man, this verse, every single time. 16.111, let's see if I can find it in my notes. Where did it go? Jesus, help me. All right, it didn't move. It's still here. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance in my cup. You support my line. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he is in my right hand, I will not be shaken. 
So I love that thing. I have, so David said, I'm willfully doing this act of continually setting God before me. I'm continually choosing to see God. Verse 9, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. I like that part, the gladness. I love what uh, Kent was talking about, just laughing. Sometimes we need a good dose of laughter. We just need a good do- dose of joy, especially when it doesn't make sense. Uh, we just need it for our heart. So therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell, dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol of the grave, nor you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life, for in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And so the first part is this place of just continuing to have a lifestyle of setting God before you, learning to see God, learning to connect with God. I encourage you guys. We have um, great prophetic classes on Wednesday night. We're doing them on Zoom right now. If you're just learning how to hear God's voice or you want to hear more of his voice, check that out. We also have a, a class right now, which is out of the life model called The Other Half of the Church, which is really helping develop the skills of moving out of anxiety into peace and joy and connecting with the presence of the Lord. And so I really encourage you, if you guys are having a hard time, like many of us many times, uh, connecting with God, there are things that um, there are things that can help you and equip you to find the presence of God in every circumstance of life, that God truly does prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And so I encourage you guys, check out that class, go on Zoom. I run Wednesday Nights classes. I really like them, but I actually believe they're super helpful as well. And so uh, check out the other half of the church. I'm actually helping out with that class this time. But I love these, these keys that God has given to the church. And I really believe that there is a new wineskin that God is releasing. A part of this thing is that I believe that we are moving out from a uh, kind of more restaurant mentality where you just you know come to church to get served a good meal that get cooked up by the pastor. I like that. I like preaching the word. I love sharing the word of God. But really our call as ministers is to equip you guys to, to have a deepened relationship with God so you can go out and do all the stuff. And I actually believe that God is releasing wisdom and understanding how to help people connect with God more. And the second one, actually, to help release more people into their calling, to actually do discipleship effectively. And this is the thing that is burning in my heart. I have determined that I am going after effective discipleship at all costs because I just believe this is what God has for us. I believe that we all can really deeply know God, walk in a life that's whole, walk in a life that's full, walk in a life that's encouraged, walk in our gifts, walk in all that stuff and not, you know, be riding the roller coaster all the time, but really just in a, in a growing relationship with God, moving forward in the Lord. And so I am going after this with all my heart. This is one of the things we've been talking a lot about as a pastoral staff is saying, what is the wineskin of a church that truly is discipling and equipping people to go out and do the works of the kingdom? What does it look like? How do we need to change what we're doing to do things differently to help people step into the fullness of what they're called into? Ah, oh, amen. I'm, I'm really, I just want to stop and actually preach on that the rest of the time. <laughs> and we are. We're going to be talking more and more about that. Um, but I want to go on and just hit it. I just got a couple more things I want to talk about. Um, so we are called to advance corporately. And I was actually already talking a lot about this. But the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. God has got a great plan for us. We're going to keep moving forward. Um, I love this um, 
this verse here. Oh, I mentioned this too. Actually, God has promised that we we're going to be brought into maturity. So I mentioned two things. Revelation uh, 19, 6 through 8, that's about the bride and uh, the works of the saints. And then Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, which is talking about that God has given the fivefold ministry, these, this apostolic, prophetic, pastoring, teaching, evangelism, gifting to equip the body of Christ that we might move into maturity. And this is actually one of the reasons that I am convinced that all of those gifts are still in operation. They're still uh, for today. is because God is still maturing, maturing us. We are not walking in the fullness that we will walk in at the end of the age. When it's all said and done, there will be more happening in the church. And there is. When we look at it historically, as we look back over the last even 50 years, last 120 years even, to go back to, you can go back even further to the Reformation, there has been something that God has been doing in the church where he's been advancing us corporately, where it's not little pockets of people, you know, knowing the word of God deeply, deeply little pockets of people walking in giftings and anointings. There's not little pockets. It's growing, whether it's the Reformation or the Azusa Street Revival or what's happened through the Vineyard and John Wimber and everyone gets to play, what Bethel uh, churches help released to us, that all of this is bringing the church corporately into a place of walking in greater fullness. And that's why we have such a need for all of these gifts to be in operation so we as the church can walk in the fullness of all that God has called us to walk in. And so I'm going to read this here. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, God has given some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. And man, I love all those gifts. I just sometimes... You know, uh, in the past, I've seen this over and over again, that the church um, can pull back from some of the gifts because some of them are a little bit more pokey than others. You know, they're, they're a little bit more... They're trying to, they're like trying to hug a porcupine sometimes, you know, and then eventually they kind of smooth out, you know, like, uh, but, but some of these gifts that are a little bit pokey and then maybe even a little bit more edgy. We so need them in the church. We need that prophetic voice that sometimes cuts and divides and helps give clarity to what's going on. We need the evangelist exhorting us to go out and share the word of God and to go after the gospel. We need that apostolic gifting, helping build foundations of the kingdom that bring us into near, new territory. We need all of it. We need, this, is, this is my thing. I'm like, if God is offering it, we need it. Like, I need everything that God has to offer. So verse 12, that all these gifts are for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we obtain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So we are going to corporally, fully manifest Jesus upon the earth. We are doing that more and more. And so, oh man, I just, I just love that. I love that God is doing that in this time in such a fantastic way like we've never seen before. And so the last thing I want to talk about is God has called us to advance individually. So God's got a corporate plan for advancement, but we have an individual calling for advancement too. And I love that thing I've been talking about that I love a lot of things that Kent shared, but I have loved just a lot of things that Kent has shared oftentimes. You know, even as I'm sharing right now, um, a lot of the things that have been coming up, we, we are cooking this stuff together in community. We're getting together as pastors. We're praying. We're seeking the Lord. This isn't just one person like, oh, this is what God spoke to me. There are pieces definitely that are God spoke to me personally, but there's stuff that corporately that we have been growing together. And so I love that we can go after this as a community, as a team, and then share this stuff with you guys as God's teaching us. And so 
This, uh, that whole thing, though, of, of staying, we need to keep the hose on. You know, we need to keep things flowing. We need to keep things going, you know. And so I love that picture, too, of, of for me, just like keeping the hose on. And what I found oftentimes, like when I was a little kid, I used to go out and like water, water my plants. Um, sometimes, I, anyways, I'm not going to go into the story about how I'd water plants, but um, I'd be watering plants. And I would, you know, it was back in the day where people would actually drink from the hose and believe they're going to survive. And so I would, you know, drink from the hose. And, you know, oftentimes it kind of had that warm rubber taste in it because the hose was hot in the sun, you know. But I found that, you know, life in the spirit works well like that. If we can keep in the giving mode, if we can keep the hose on, you know, I found this happens often. I'll be like praying for someone or prophesying or sharing a word of encouragement. And I'll just like turn the hose towards me and take a little drink in between, you know. And so whatever's flowing through us, we get a drink of it. And there's so many times that we get stuck because we just stop giving, you know. And so I love our community. We have a huge emphasis on receiving the things of God. But sometimes to receive, we have to start by giving. It says, give and it will be given to you. So we actually find the receiving in the giving. We just got to start moving. And there's been so many times where I've felt so stuck. This is actually a couple weeks ago. I was... Man, I was just having a terrible time. I had like uh, just this uh, sickness. It wasn't a COVID. I got tested twice. I was sure I had it because I was just knocked out for like a month. But I guess there are other sicknesses that exist. Um, But I was coming out of this time and I was just feeling so low. And so I called up a friend and he said, hey, uh, he's like, I need to hang out. I'm feeling like terrible right now. And I'm like, I'm feeling terrible too. So let's get together and hang out. (laughs) So we got together. And, you know, what we just started doing was we just started praying for each other. Because I knew, I knew if I just started giving, even if I just had a tiny, tiny bit, if I started giving away what I had, that God would bring increase and that he'd begin to move in my own heart and my spirit. And so that's what we did. We just blessed each other. We just started giving to each other. We started praying for each other. And by the time that we were done, just from that place of giving to each other, we left in a totally different place. I woke up the next morning at a fantastic time with God. Whatever that thing was that was trying to shut me down um, got broken off because there really is resistance to us walking into what we've been called to walk into. And I've had this happen over and over again. I, I don't know why, but me personally, one of the places the enemy really goes after me is physically. I just run into these physical challenges where, you know, I deal with sickness or these different things. But one of the things that I've learned is that over and over again, if I start stepping out and moving in faith, that God will begin to clear the way. And I've had this happen, actually, uh, I was dealing with this terrible inflammation thing that was going on through my whole body. I couldn't bend down anymore. I was doing all these dietary changes and stuff that helped a lot. But where the breakthrough really was, the moment that something shifted, is I remember I walked up to church, and I did not want to pastor anyone. I didn't want to care for anyone. I wanted to run away. I was feeling so low. And God said, you need to, the enemy is trying to keep you out of your calling. You need to go inside the sanctuary and just start loving on people right now. And so I just said, okay, God, I just by faith, I'm going to step in this place of just going to love on people. And so for me, this is it. This is like what I'm called to do. I'm called to pastor and care for people. But whatever it is, whatever you're called to do in that moment, I just want to encourage you guys, step out. Whether it's a, it can be, it doesn't have to be a ministry thing too. It can be like a business thing. It can be just like encouraging someone next to you. Whatever it is, just keep stepping out on the thing that God is stirring in your heart because 
you know, the, the last thing, the enemy does not want you walking in your calling because you're tremendously powerful. He knows that you are supercharged with a nuclear reactor called Jesus on the inside of you. And he doesn't want Jesus getting out. He wants Jesus staying on the inside. And so the moment I went, stepped in and I started, the first thing is I just started caring for people. And then God, you know, he spoke to me and said he wanted me to start dancing, which is like, sounded like a fate worse than death at the moment. I am not a dancer. My daughter is an incredible dancer. She's been taking dance classes since she's like been barely standing. Um, but I just felt like the Lord said, hey, I want you to dance and worship right now. And as I stepped down, I started dancing and worshiping. That thing that was trying to hold me down, that sickness, that tiredness, that fatigue, that inflammation, it all broke and it lifted. And about 90% of it went away. Whew. And so I just want to encourage you guys, step out. And I was looking here at this verse in Second uh, Timothy 1, through, uh, 1, 3 through 7. We were talking about... Um, uh, this, this verse, actually last time I was preaching, I was talking about this thing, that God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but a power, love, and soundness of mind. That verse changed my life. That verse um, brought me into a place of breaking free from all the stuff that I've been through. If you want to hear about that, you can go back to my last message and listen to it. But we were looking at the context of this verse, um, and it, this is, blew me away. So the context of this verse is actually talking about you stepping into, or for Paul encouraging Timothy to step into his gift. So, uh, so the context of this is breaking out of fear and stirring yourself up to walk in the thing that God has called you to walk into. So it says here, 2 Timothy 1, 3-7, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears, that you may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I love that because... You know, part of the places that Paul is encouraging Timothy is saying, I, he's really prophesying into this godly inheritance that he had. And parents, what you do, what you invest in your kids matter. I just want to encourage you. There is a such thing as inheritance. I think this is one of the clearest verses in the New Testament that point to it. And so he goes on and says, I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason... Because of this sureness and confidence that Paul had, I remind you to kindle afresh or to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And so, and it goes on verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and soundness of mind. And so, fear on one side, power, love, and soundness of mind, or discipline. There's a whole bunch of, really, it's the mind of God. If you go, actually, Mike's been talking about this. If you go into the Greek, it's really talking about thinking like God, God thoughts, agreeing with God thoughts. And so this whole encouragement not to give in to fear or timidity is coming in the context of stir yourself up, stir up the giftings and the callings that are in your life, the things that God has for you. And I was thinking there's two things that I've found uh, that have been so helpful for me stepping into my gifting, my calling. One of them is just remembering the prophetic words that God's spoken in my life. And uh, Paul also told Timothy, fight the good fight by the prophetic words concerning you. And the second one is just stepping out, just doing it, just going after that. Even the, the place that we feel afraid, do it afraid. I found over and over again that there's just so many things in life that I have to do it, and I might have a sense of fear, but as I start stepping out and going after it, whether it's like I've been... Oh, well, like one of the things that have been a real growing experience for me is that God is, keeps pushing me into evangelism. And I don't naturally, 
I don't know, want to evangelize. It's just like, I did it, you know, when I, when I got saved, I did a lot of evangelism, but I just feel like it's such an essential part of what God has not called us only personally to do, but the, there is so much opportunity for the gospel right now. So I've been just trying to step out in every place I can. So I've been doing it in restaurants a lot and just walking past, and I, I feel any stirring from God, just stepping out and saying, hey, can I pray for you? And then actually a lot of times as I start praying for people, I get prophetic words, God starts speaking to me a little bit about their life, or the, they just, the person just feels loved and encouraged, and you know, I have, just have a great conversation with them. So I've been going after that, you know, just sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, just demonstrating the love of the kingdom in any way I can. And I do feel like there is such a need right now for the church to be salt and light. Um, uh, all right, I just got a couple more verses we're going to go through. We're almost, we're almost through this. Um, I have been I, in this, the Sermon on the Mount for like over a year and a half now. I can't escape the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the verses that I keep coming back to, I keep camping on, Matthew 5, 13 through 16, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it underneath a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so God does not want the church to be covered up anymore. I, I feel like we have been hiding in so many places. We've been hiding in our personal lives. We've been hiding in cultural cultural stuff. Like there has been a cultural wave that has crashed upon the church. And it's not all bad. There actually are some good things that God is doing in the midst of this. But one of the things I see that's happened is even in the education realm, we gave over education long time ago, and we're seeing the fruit of people who've raised up in a system that is not the system of the kingdom of God anymore. And it's like all of a sudden we're realizing, wow, like there's an area that we need to fight for. There's a lot of areas that we need to fight for. And so there's a huge shaking that's happening in our personal lives. I mean, I, I believe it because I've been experiencing it. One of the things that God has been encouraging me in the midst of this, actually God, God spoke to me and he said, there is greater shaking coming for America. And um, that might not sound encouraging at first, but the second part was encouraging. He said, the greater shaking is coming because I'm bringing a greater awakening. There is an awakening that God is bringing to the church that's happening out of this place that is weary being shaken and what do I believe and what are my core values and am I willing to stand up for this? Am I willing to be light and salt? Am I willing to stand for Jesus in this place? And there is such an essential need for us to stand up, to be salt and light in this hour. And so this is what's been happening in my life. I feel pressed by the Lord to go out and to do more of what he's called me to do in this season than any other season in my life. And so I love this part which says, let your light shine before men in such a way that you may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So the whole point of this thing is that the Father be glorified. People need to see actually what God's put in you. There is an incredible need for it. And so one of the things that God spoke to me through this is that I need you to be more of you, but to think less about yourself. And so I need to be a fuller manifestation of who God's called me to be. Because like you, and like a lot of us, I give in to timidity all the time. I am not a naturally bold person. It is not my makeup. I was like, you know, I was the guy that didn't speak 
in front of English classes because I didn't, I was afraid to, to be in front of people. So I am naturally not bold. It's not my natural wiring, but God keeps pushing me over and over again because this is what Jesus does in us. He creates us into something that we weren't be- before. He helps us to walk in boldness. This is like the beauty of the gospel, a whole bunch of, you know, the, the disciples and their, you know, Peter's afraid to even talk about Jesus. And then he, the spirit of God moves in him and he's preaching this incredible message. So the Spirit of God actually shapes us into what we really are called to become. This is the true, the, the truest thing about us. And so part of that, though, is I've had to let go. I'm like, yes, I'm, we're called to be more of who we're called to be. But on the other side of it, I'm like, I want to think about more about God's glory and less about me. I want to be so caught up in who the Lord is and going after that, that there's just things that I want to be unaware of about myself. So it's so easy to get caught in that introspection, that kind of like navel gazing sort of place. And I am totally prone to it, but God is teaching me how to break out of it. Man. All right. I'm feeling super encouraged. (laughs) So the other thing that we need in this hour, and I'm just going to land on this, is that we, ooh, we need to be walking both in truth and love. And so as I look at what's happening and like listen to what's happening in the political realm and what people are talking about, as I'm reading, I was reading these things by, you know, this uh, millennial theologian. <laughs> I think they can have those, a millennial theologian. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm right there too, so don't, this is not me hating. Um, but as he was writing about this, he's, one of the things he was commenting, he's like, I'm so afraid that what's happening in the church and how the church is witnessing in this, uh, this hour, that it's destroyed its witness to my generation. And really, there was two things he was hitting on, on and I, I, one of them I agreed with, and one of them I disagreed with. I feel like there's two great needs for us right now, is to be speaking the truth in love. So I feel like uh, some of us in the church have really got a hold of speaking the truth, meaning we're going to talk about what's true no matter what the cost is. But Part of what's happened in that is we've made people that we are called to evangelize, evangelize our enemies. It's like we've gotten into that thing of these people are enemies, and so I'm gonna like blast them open. You know, we're blasting them on our social, you know, social page. You know, uh, if we can even get on our social pages anymore. You know, we're like blasting them on, you know, our Facebooks and our Twitters and all this, like whatever it is. And we're missing the call of the New Testament for Jesus to said, love your enemies. We need to keep our love on, guys. We need to keep loving people that believe different things than us, that have different political stances. We cannot so align ourselves with a political viewpoint that we stop keeping our love. And this other part, actually, and it is, this is, I'm not saying don't be engaged with politics at all. We need to be engaged. The other part of it is the speaking truth part. And this is actually my concern with my generation, those that are younger than me. We are abandoning truth in a way that I've never seen. There are people that I know that started off walking with Jesus, that were passionate for Jesus, that are not walking in truth anymore. They're saying, hey, you know, it's not a big deal. Just love everyone. And like, they're just embracing a whole bunch of systems that are very ungodly systems. And so I'm just sharing this. I'm like, oh, this is something that's just so deep in my heart. The one thing that God um, has spoken to me about my life is that I am a bridge between the generations. 
And so I, f- I feel like this is uh, it's such a huge part of my personal calling is to bring together the generations. And so I see this tension developing and it's happening, it's manifesting in our country. And it's not just generational, it really is happening in the church that we need to find a way of marrying the witness of our love with marrying the witness of our truth. And so I want to encourage you guys, walk in love, do what Jesus said, pray for your enemies, love those that persecute you, and then also be a light and salt like never before. And so I'm just going to pray for us right now. Jesus, I just pray that you would help us to walk out these tensions, God. Walk out these tensions of walking in love and truth, Lord. It's so hard, Lord. There's, there's, um, it is a tension. It is a tension to know how to do this, Lord. But I pray that you would help us, Lord. I pray that you would release love and truth on your church, that you'd release unity on our church in a way that we've never seen before, God. And I'm, I know, Lord, that you have a plan for this. I know you're going to help us with this. I know you're working powerfully in these places. And so I just pray for the release of it tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Look forward to talking to you soon. Leave your comments. Love to hear from you guys. I actually have you on stream right now. Bless you guys, all 15 of you. (laughs) Have a good night.